Do you want to play a game? The Scene on Screen podcast presents Three Men and a Meeple. Are you interested in playing games that don't appear on the screen? Well, that's why we're here. Join David, Sean, and Owen while they talk about all things tabletop. Now pass the dice, because our next turn starts now. Welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of Three Men and a Meeple, where our catchphrases at the end of the episodes clearly mean nothing. <laughs> of course, you've got myself, you've got David. Yo. And our good friend, Owen. I'm still a good friend. Oh, well, you know, you did something this past week that I didn't think you were going to do. You caught up on the Scene on Screen podcast, and buddy, that was great. Uh, and like, I know I when it. you're watching it now because you're like purposely putting messages into the group being like, hey, I agree. And I'm like, what is he talking? Wow. He's oh, listening yeah. to it on like Friday morning. That's it's amazing. Like, and that's and right. Dude, that was like 17 episodes ago. No, we still, <laughs> we still appreciate it. Uh, when are we just going to call him Owen, though? Like, because, I, because I he's, like character. He's, very, he's very much like a viable member of this trio that we have for the show. Right. So. I think when we call him our good friend Owen, or just our friend Owen, or we bicker about what he actually is, um, it it kind of lowers the the status uh, of him being a full time. I guess so. So yeah. I was actually going to say the absolute opposite. I think what it does is it gives us leverage if he upsets us. If he, if <laughs> well, he does that's it, true. Yeah. Well, we can just start shortening his name. Like, <laughs> let, it's like let's you're doing oh. a. You're doing a bad job, Owen. So we're, we're removing the good from the good friend or, or title. Or when you're just going to be oh yeah yeah <laughs> oh Jesus oh yeah it it'll be uh it'll be like when he makes us play a game of Ti and then we have to record the next day. So oh he's God. just like that guy that we invite to the podcast. Yeah, but yeah. his name's <laughs> in the title, so people know that he belongs here. I just like giving him the character name of our good friend Owen. All right. I like it. It's like, uh, you know, it, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel accepted into this, uh, you know, into this group. Yeah. It's so. not like we ever called Ty our good friend Ty. So there's that. Yeah. No one, knows who, <laughs> no one knows who he is. He hasn't listened far enough back. Yeah. Yeah. So gentlemen, what's up? What have you been playing? Absolutely nothing. No, didn't you say you were playing some um, Lords of Waterdeep online, something like that? Yeah, I got a sweet new phone. All right, oh. this is I got the Galaxy Z Fold Three, so it folds out into a tablet size. And I don't know if you guys remember me saying how I play a lot of Lords of Waterdeep on my tablet. Well, now I can play this on this phone, and mind you, I could play Lords of Waterdeep on like my, my other phone, my Note that I had, but this screen is just a little bit bigger, and it makes it so much more comfortable. Nice. Yeah, it's about the size of a hot dog bun. There you well, go. Like when it's small, like but when it's unfolded, then it's like the size, if, of, yeah. like a small the size book. of a spread out hot dog bun. A if small. you take a hot dog bun, you you, you know, really fold it out, yeah. smoosh it down. There you go. You got a a fold. Yeah, so yeah. you've been playing Lords of the Water Deep. Have you figured out how to win yet? Anyways, so then um, up on <laughs> strategy. I picked up uh well I didn't I bought this a while ago. Uh Kickstarter game came in. Um, Cascadia. Ooh, that sounds fun. Um, it is uh, by AEG and Flatout Games. Uh, Cascadia is a gorgeous spatial puzzle game for the whole family. 
says, take a journey to the Pacific Northwest as you compete to create the most harmonious ecosystem in Cascadia. Turns are simple. Select a tile slash token set and place each into your expanding ecosystem. Earn points by fulfilling wildlife goals and creating the largest habitat corridors. With variable scoring goals, each game of Cascadia brings a new spatial puzzle to your table. So it's like a, oh, it's, it's a tile laying game. And you're essentially just building a ecosystem. It uh, it did fairly well on Kickstarter. I have the Kickstarter edition here. And for all of our eager listeners, uh, you guys can expect a unboxing video up on our YouTube channel in the uh, coming days. All right. Sweet. That'll yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so right now that game only was a Kickstarter, but I think it's going to be coming to retail in the in the next year, like early next year or so. Nice. Looks good. You have to uh, bring it over. I'll have to yeah, try it, it. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I've been playing The Initiative with my wife. We've been uh, kind of going through it's a, um, a unique cooperative board uh, game of story, strategy, and code breaking. Uh, let's players take on the role of teenagers in 1994 who have found a mysterious board game called The Key. Not only will they play The Key, but players will help the teenagers through a pivotal chapter of their lives by uh, following a series of missions linked together via an interactive comic book. Uh, so yeah, you, you basically, it's a, like a code breaking game. It kind of teaches you about code breaking, the different kind of ciphers and different kind of codes that you can break. Oh, interesting. It's really cool. Um, and as you, um, uh, you unlock uh, certain areas of the game, more clues come available that will like help you in the future. And there's like hidden messages all over this comic book and hidden ciphers that you'll like eventually, I think down the road get to crack. It's really neat. Interesting. Uh, and there's so many like little secrets in the box. I I'm pretty sure the board actually like later down the road will like straight up rip apart and like in half and a new board will be there. Like it's going to be crazy. Like you have to physically damage, like rip the board. I think so, but I'm not, I don't know. Like it looks like maybe, but would you we'll be able to out. handle that? Like, I don't, I, you know what? So this game, um, me and my wife were playing through it and we were a few, we're a little way into it, but I'm really looking forward to actually finishing it. And, um, and you know what, once I'm done with it, if the board's wrecked, I will throw it away. And once I'm done with it, I will let somebody else borrow it or I'll donate it. I don't know if they're going to do expansions to this, but I would definitely let somebody else borrow it, you know, because so is this going to be the start of you thinning out your collection? I think so. Uh, I am. I'm thinking so I'm going to try, I'm going to try my best. (laughs) Uh, I didn't play it, but I saw it. It doesn't count. No, no. I mean, (laughs) I guess sort of, but I saw like a board built up of frost Haven. I was, uh, I went to J and J's to go pick up a gift for somebody like just a, like a card game. And they had one out on display. Cause I guess they were recording a video. Nice. Interesting. I just wanted for all the toys. It's like frost Haven, gloom Haven. They're, they're really beautiful games. They've done such a mm-hmm. good job with all the, um, you know, all the, um, the room tiles and all the monster. Yeah, uh, all the artwork is really good. Yeah. It yeah, looks really the, great. Uh, I haven't been playing a board game per se. I did mention this on SOS. However, I've been playing a board game adaptation in VR and it's quite fun. It's called Demio. Um, mm. Hopefully my friend David here will uh, pick it up soon so we can adventure dungeons together. But uh, 
The one thing I will say, which kind of is more immersive than any kind of game I've played by board game is like you can pick up your enemy and it tells you what it's weak against, what it's strong against. Uh, it's like not able to be charmed. It's it's very fun and you get to roll dice and it's it's cool. It's just in a virtual reality space. It's, that's awesome. Uh, that's kind of like cheating in a tabletop game, though, if you can pick your character up or an enemy up and you automatically know their weaknesses well you still have to be able to roll to fight it right yeah and like yeah. you know Interesting some concept some, but some characters and games are able to like you know deduce uh an enemy's weakness right but they have to right. do it as an action type of right. thing or, or like have the ability to do spell it all or yeah but mm-hmm. interesting yeah i plan on picking that up at some point but Very so cool. but for today we're going to talk about owen's problem i do this have a problem. is an I... episode of intervention <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh my god, I need I need this. <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode we are talking about thinning out the collection when it has gotten too big that you don't have shelf space anymore. You have piles of games sitting in the corner, just w- ready to fall over at any minute, collecting dust. <laughs> yeah, you, you run out of Swiffer dusters, and yeah. they can't keep up with the. Uh, the pile of games yeah we're going to be talking about thinning out your collection so this is right. um i think an issue that every hardcore board gamer has hey, i'm not a hardcore point. board gamer and i have this problem yeah i guess like really any collector of sorts like this yeah. can be an issue for people who collect Cle- video games or collect like movies funkos. or funkos yeah anything Funkos like are that. big with, with collectors and People who keep them in the box, like they take up quite a bit of space over time. Mm-hmm. Like so, I don't people have walls of Funkos? Yeah. So, uh, oh, and how many games do you have? Uh, like I'm board games. Say with well with expansions, not like, expansions, not oh, not including okay. expansions. I'm thinking about about 150 by now. But I like, am. You know, some that's, of them are small, some of them are big, right? Yeah. Some of like some of the games are like little tiny boxes. Well, some like you know, Twilight Imperiums, like two massive boxes, right? So it varies oh. in size. I am uh, at approximately eighty-three games. Eighty-three games, huh? not not including um, expansions. expansions. Yeah, see, with yeah. expansions, I'm at like two hundred, like fifty or something like that. Yeah, so it gets to the point where... Okay, well, I'm at like 20, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Oh, yeah. God, he does this to me all the time, eh, Owen? He's just yeah. like, Owen, tell me about your awesome collection. Here's mine. Uh, fuck Sean. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Sean? 20 games, that's a good start. That's you're, actually... You're, you're well on your way to having a problem. Yeah, you're well, <laughs> your addiction... First one's free. Yeah, there you go. I got to sell my Frisbees to get freaking board games. Yeah. yeah, you gotta you gotta get that sweet board game action. So, <laughs> the 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 first step of thinning out your collection is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> I am actually at this moment willing to admit that I do have a problem with board games. Yeah, I I think like a big part of having big like it's different for everyone, but some people see their board game collection as as like uh, a piece of art or, you know, it's no different than really having a a library filled with hundreds of books, right? You read the book once 
and you you're, might never read it again unless it's like a really good series that you enjoy, right? Right. But some people just like having that, you know, what what if I read what would I want to read it again or like, mm-hmm. you know. So let's go through the thought process that we we have when we are first purchasing a game because I think that is um a, obviously a major influence on are oh, obviously on our collections, right? Because we don't get right. these games without buying them. But then there's a lot of thought that has to go into making that purchase to justify buying that game. And I know like Owen and myself, because we already have like a very large collection, our thought process might be a little different than Sean's, who you just have a, a, a smaller yet growing collection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and no, but I think in my regard, and I'll I'll use a to- uh, a term that you've coined a lot on the SOS side is I'm a very patient board gamer to the point where like because there's only two of us and I've got into a lot more board games through the pandemic, there's no real reason or rush to buy games. Like the what? only reason I bought the last game I bought was because of the deal we got. And it's mm-hmm. still sitting in plastic. Like we haven't opened it yet. Which one, Lords of Waterdeep? Yeah, yeah. But you also f- played that game, you know, half a dozen times already, and really enjoyed it. I think we'll, we'll get into that that problem in a bit because right. that's another board game. That's another that's issue. But I feel like being a patient board gamer isn't really. I wouldn't call that necessarily being a patient gamer because technically. Being a patient gamer in the sense for like video games and stuff like that is generally you're waiting for a game to drop significantly in price so you can buy it from a bargain bin or something like that. Yeah, and board with games video, are like right. Nintendo. Well, with video games, yeah, exactly. Video games, you know, prices drop fairly significantly, fairly quickly. But board games, because they are inherently in a limited supply, right? They require a lot more to manufacture. And the costs themselves, uh, like there's more material costs involved. So the the margin for pr- like the profit margin on selling a game isn't actually that much. It might right. be maybe 10, 15 percent um, on a on a large game, you know. Um, so I would say being a patient gamer for for board games is not maybe not as accurate for how you go about purchasing games because i think with you sean like when you buy a game it's because you've played it a bunch of times right and you really enjoy it right and you want to add that to your collection whereas with owen and i a lot of the times when we buy games it's based off of reviews that we've read or we've seen a lot of advertisements for it or it kind of it's a sequel or it's by a game designer from a, a game that we really like or or whatnot right or like yeah a, per, a company that you know has a good track record of releasing mm-hmm. like solid games like yeah. fancy flight games you know like i'm always down to buy or at least before they were purchased by asmodee i was always down to buy a fancy flight game because i know that there was a certain level of quality that came yeah. out of that company i was the same way yeah anything that fantasy flight put out for a while i was like hell yeah this game is going to be good i'm in but yeah, now not so okay. much. But uh, for me, there's two different there's two different ways we get games. So, like David said, I do a lot of research into what's popular. I look at the trending list, what's like you know what people are really hyped about, and then I get hyped about it. So I'm kind of like a victim of like hype. 
And uh, when it goes out, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to buy this. So we'll go and buy it. And the other side is, and I go shopping with my wife and she's like, oh, hey, this looks cool. Let's buy it. And then we'll end up walking out with like, you know, two or three board games that we've Mm -hmm. done no research on. She's just like, it looks really good. So there's two different ways that we, we kind of collect games. So when you're trying to decide though, like, do you, do you have a thought process of, okay, well, this game is really interesting. This, or this game looks cool, but do we have the space for it? You know, are we going to play it? Is this, is this similar to another game that we have that, you know, we're just doubling up on the same type of game. And I, I know like we've talked about game types and there's a lot of games that overlap, but um, you know, like dungeon crawlers to dungeon crawlers, and sometimes they have slightly different mechanics, but fundamentally it's the same thing, right? Like deck builders. Is there a thought process that in that sense, rather than just being like, Oh, um, I really looked into this game. I want to buy it. Or it's like this one. I like the pictures on the back. I bought this for me. No, for me, it's just like, Hey, this game looks really cool. I don't really think too much about the theme or the mechanics. I'm just like, you know what? I really like the art or I really like, you know, something about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get it. So there's no, you have a complete disregard for where you're going to put the game when you bring it back home. That's your response. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm like, you know what? We'll find space. And that's kind of been the problem. But like we have, I don't know, uh, we have a five by five Calyx. We have two. Uh, two by four Calyx. We have, you know, stuff stacked on top of everything, so it's getting a little, a little out of hand. And we're at a point now where we literally don't have shelf space anymore, and we're gonna have to start like stacking stuff like in odd places, and that's yeah. that's bad. <laughs> like that's where I'm like, uh-oh, uh oh, we need to actually start uh, slimming down the collection a bit. Mm-hmm. Like so, when I'm looking at a game, and and Sean, you can uh, attest to this. He, I can spend a lot of time in the store kind of humming and hawing about whether or not I'm going to purchase a game. Am I, am I allowed to go on rants on this podcast or is that, that <laughs> one not allowed? I know, I know it really pisses you okay. off. Okay, Owen, so yes. take this in. We'll go to the same store once every like three months. The selection of the clearance hasn't changed, really. <laughs> David will pick up the same games Yep. every single time <laughs> and then be like oh just oh. staring at them and like i don't mind because like we're hanging out it's the experience of doing this and this is like this is our thing you but right. then time, i'm not gonna look at any of those games okay because now i know your true feelings but you will to compare it to another store which we talk about a lot openly like when we go to 401 games 401 games has maybe 20 total games on clearance he goes through that like pillar super quick. Right. Doesn't yes, really but care. Also, there's a big difference uh, at J and J's. Those games generally aren't damaged boxes. Whereas 401, a lot of their clearance stuff is damaged box items. And so I, I will have to buy you the whether... Hannah Montana game next time we're there. Just Do so it. you can finally get it over with. <laughs> I've been really wanting to play that. <laughs> Unboxing uh, and all. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So a big part of what goes through my head when I'm looking at a game is like, so there, there are, Lots of games out there that I want, but it comes down to, well, do I have space for it? Which I'm in a one bedroom apartment and I have, um, I have a four by four Calyx shelf here, which really is uh, a four by three because we have some other like shelf stuff in, in right. that, but um, that's filled and I now have 
some piles of games in the bedroom. I have a bag too. of games in your house. Yeah. Um, I have some board games in the car right now. You oh, haven't um, left any board games in my house. No, because you buy the games that we, we play. Um, <laughs> well, that makes you a very good salesperson. I hope you understand that. <laughs> and I have games at my, my parents' house, right? So for me, like I'm at the point now where my collection is at a peak where I will still buy a game if I can find it for a really good price. Um, but even if there's a game that maybe there's something that's really hard to find, right? Right. I will still seriously consider purchasing it, but also it comes down to where can I put it? And then how much am I actually going to play it? Because, you know, I have this huge collection of games that I'm looking at right now, and I can only say that I've maybe played half of them. Right. And that's where I'm at too. Um, And to be honest, I, out of my collection, I only play about three games out of my whole entire collection of like 150 games. Because when I play games with my um, brother-in-law and his friends, we usually play at 1030 at night because that's after, you know, his kids, their, their kids have gone to bed and they don't want to learn a new game. So they're like, hey, we know how to play these three games. Pick one of them. And that's all we play, which mm-hmm. is which really isn't the worst in some cases. It It's not. But like it bugs me because I do have all these games. And I'm like really excited to show them new games. But well, there's even been times where, you know, like we've we've planned on coming over. I've I've come over and, you know, I'll get over to your place fairly early in the afternoon. But then it it does take a long time to learn, learn a game. But also, you know, a lot of times when we're looking for things to play, we can go through your collection. But I've noticed that a lot of times we play games that we've like the same games because and and that's a very valid point that your brother-in-law has that you know I don't want to we don't want to have to learn a new game um and like well the last time we got together we played uh Dawn of the Zeds right that took us maybe about an hour to set up and and learn yeah so um, when you get together for playing board games you want to just get into and start playing the game so um there's been a few times when I bring brought stuff over and the night before or the day before or, or the, uh, the, you know, that morning I'll go over the instruction manual. So at least I have an idea on how to play so that it can like the s- initial setup right. and learning to play is a little easier. And we discussed this in one of our earlier episodes, but is then there's the problem of like the problem of choice. Right. right, like you have too many games to play that you don't want to make a decision. You know, I run this run into this all the time with you know my Xbox and PlayStation and my Steam library. You right. know, it's like I want to play a game, but I have so many games to play that I can't just I can't decide what to play. Do you know why? Because right. you do this thing where you're like, oh, I'm gonna <laughs> buy this, and then you're like, oh shit, hey man, I bought this. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You're never gonna play it, and you're like, yeah, I am, and then you don't play it. Well, I do play them, but then I play something else. But board games is different than video games. So board is games it? takes a lot more. <laughs> board <laughs> games, you know, takes more time. And granted, my significant other, you know, she's been pretty busy studying for uh, her like board exams and, and finals for the last two months. So I have this collection of stuff that even, you know, like when we've gone shopping, 
in the past, she'd look at something and say, oh, this looks interesting. And then, you know, like Owen, I walk out of the store with it. Right. That's how we picked right. up Everdell, uh, for example. Right. Like in that turned into an amazing game. But so I have all these games that I've purchased in anticipation that, oh, yeah, one day I'm going to play this with her. And it just is now turned into a, oh, I'm going to buy this because I'm going to play it at some point. Right. And see, also the thing is when me and wife, we, we get a game that we're both excited for. Like we go into a shop and we like see, oh, this game looks really cool. We will end up playing it. Like I will say that we, out of the 150 say games I have, we have played 125 of them. Like there's maybe a few that we just haven't got around to. Or mm-hmm. we, like we bought it and we like either read the rules or something like that, and, or we just never got around to playing it. But we have played almost every game in our collection, like at least once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like some of the games that I have, you know, I've, I will take them, I will unbox them. I will organize them and I will read through the, the, uh, rule book. And I will sometimes try and play the game by myself. Even if it's a game that requires two people, I'll play as two people just so that I can get an understanding of how the game plays, but actually getting to the point of playing when you have too many games, especially if you're teaching these games to new players, it's, it could be, it's just easier to teach things that you know and easier to set up and play games that you know, right? Right. Um, but again, like, you know, every once in a while, I'm able to worm a new game in. Mm-hmm. So uh, a little while ago, we played Tapestry, and uh, that's become uh, not a regular, but we played it last night. We played it maybe about five or six times. And I really like that game, and it's it's um, kind of a hit with with our group because it is fairly simple, but mm. it's a long game. Like I think the game we played last night was at least three hours or so, um, and then that that was it was like two thirty in the morning when I left. Mm-hmm. You know, so our collections are big. We no longer have space on the shelves for them, and. You know, our friends are concerned for our safety yeah, and our just, mental well-being. Yeah, we the have bo- problems. The, the, the stacks of boxes could uh, fall on you at any time and pin you under them. So, how are we going to go about deciding on what games to purge from our collection, and also how can we deal with the mental difficulty of getting rid of a game? Oh God, yeah. I, I, that last one. Don't even want to touch on it at the moment. <laughs> I, I think, I think that is probably the biggest hurdle that people have. Um, much like getting rid of like video games or books or DVDs or you know right. anything that people collect, there is an a, uh, an attachment that we have to these things. Right. Um, costs aside, it is something that we have accumulated over time that we can say like this is mine this is a tangible thing that i have that you know i can show this off and i feel i feel good about this right um Mm -hmm. you know like buying a new game Um, that gives you let's talk uh, about that first thing let's talk i just gonna say like buying a new game though gives you a uh like there's what's a feel-good chemical that's released in your brain endorphins yeah you get a rest of endorphins when you're when you're opening this game and a serotonin and serotonin. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, we're not scientists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You <laughs> but you get that, that like excitement, and you get like this that, rush you know, you of this good. feel good stuff. 
and that yeah. there's that excitement. And I think for some people, you know, just they just enjoy opening up new games and and punching all the like uh, all the cardboard oh pieces and stuff like that. Satisfying punching of cardboard. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> so, so that mental connection with those games as well. It's that is what can be difficult to to let go of, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, the feeling for me when I'm buying a game, I'm just I get really excited and I like go back. I think I go back to that that first game of Betrayal I played, where I, um, you know, after playing, I just felt so like good and, um, you know, that uh, playing with people and and having that sense of like excitement uh, around the table. Like I kind of go back to that where I'm like, I can't wait to get this to the table with some friends mm-hmm. and get that like, you know, excitement back. Uh, so maybe that's kind of where uh, that, that uh, I get that, that feeling from. Yeah. But then there's also games that you have that you, you dislike, but you still have the games, right. Or games that you you've purchased, but maybe have never played and you still have it on the hopes of maybe one day I'm going to play this game. So um, let's go through some ideas on what what is a criteria for selecting a game to remove from your collection, whether or not you sell it, you donate it, or you just throw it in the trash, which would be horrible, but it's also a viable option. Right. Are you looking at the the good old Bermuda Triangle theory where it's like if you don't <laughs> use it in a year or play it in a year or two, it's got to go? I think if uh, board gamers did that, then they wouldn't have any collection. I don't know, man. I've got... <laughs> no, like, so, like, sorry, like I was saying, like, I play Scythe, Terraforming Mars. I play those two games literally once a week, like without fail. One of those two. Um, so those games would never leave my collection if that was the case. And that's a very viable choice, right? Like that's a good reason to keep a game. Yeah, for sure. But then if there's a game that you only get to the table like once every few months, I'd say depending on whether or not the game is good, like it could be like a game like say uh, Twilight Imperium. It's a massive game. It's very highly rated. And when you play it, you have a ton of fun. Sean, we need to get you in on a Twilight Imperium game because I think you would really enjoy it. When do I have time to do that? Exactly. We don't have time for this, but uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's a problem. It's yeah. one of those games that you don't get to the table every week, right? But or, it is a good game. It's a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. it's something that even though you might only play it once every three months, it's still a, a game that is... I would say it's epic in scale. An, an option for people to play, right? Like right. you look at it and you're like, you know what? We could play Twilight Imperium, Twilight Imperium tomorrow, right? It's not like, uh, you know what? Like I don't really want to play that one. No, it's like Twilight Imperium. Yeah, sure. Let's like let's plan a date around it. Yeah. So I feel like something like that is a good reason to keep a game. It's it's if you have the group who's willing to sit through that right you need to have the right people if you say have a couple friends you play games with but they're not into those big games and you have this game and you're never playing it why keep it on your shelf right right so then in that case you know get rid of the game 
<laughs> but you also or, get like I know in my situation or my collection, it's like we have a lot of party games because that's kind of the the crowd of people that we hang out with and play games with the most. Mm-hmm. And as my my uh, collection is maturing, um, I'm looking at some of the stuff that I have on my shelf, and it's kind of like space wasters, and I can't really do much about it. But it's like okay, I guess. Well, what do you mean by space wasters? Like, okay, so I have like pigs. You and I both picked those up for two bucks. That's just holding a spot on my shelf. Yeah. That's a fun game, though. I love that game. Yo, and we got such a good deal on it. Yeah, it was like $2. Yeah, it's pigs. It's like I I have games like Anomia that gets busted out once every like year when people come over. That's not something that we like play very often. You have Cards Against Humanity. Like with the card throwing games alone, like going back to our dorm games i have a bunch of the dorm games that just sit and sit unless people come over and then it's like hey what game do you guys want to play and we always go back to the same thing like i have two different copies of risk and that's like a blue moon game we don't play risk very often either so um it's actually funny so i'm gonna read this to you um because this kind of makes me think of that so it's it's something called the jones theory which dates back to 2009 it's cody jones from the game on podcast suggested a theory for game collecting his theory was that you should never have more than one game of a single type in your collection for example in regards to worker placement games if you owned Kalis, you shouldn't also pick up lords of Waterdeep unless you are picking up uh to replace Kalis. So that guy's crazy. So what he's saying is if you have a game, so like um, Cards Against Humanity, uh, and you're like, and you want to pick up a new game, so say you want to pick up Super Fight, uh, get rid of Cards Against Humanity, right? So you only have one of that kind of type of game. I don't like this person. So like <laughs> I, have, I have cards, I have Cyanide and Happiness games. I have like a bunch of, stuff that you would bust out when you want to laugh and have a good time. But then I also have like, like we have a lot of two player games, but look at code names as an example, unless I buy duet, I can't play that with mm-hmm. two people and you have to wait, but it's, it's, we're not exactly in a situation where people are like dying to get over to people's houses. I think that, that, that Jones is what's it called? Jones's, uh, Jones's theory. theory. Yeah. I think that's severely flawed because that's saying that you can only have one worker placement game in your collection. Well, Everdell right. is a worker placement game, but it's right. also a card drafting game. Yeah, it has different Lords mechanics. Of, yeah, than... Lords of Waterdeep is a worker placement game. Um, Brass Birmingham is a worker's place game. You know, right. like there's so many games that have the same fundamental um, mechanic, but they have different gameplay mechanics built in i think you're you're severely limited in yourself if you go based off of that uh that right. concept right like i i love uh lords of Waterdeep, but if i were to go based off that concept well if i want to buy another game that has a worker placement thing i have to get rid of lords of Waterdeep. right okay right? Here, here, here's another question though how many how many worker placement games would be too many worker placement games like if you were to say like you know, you already have three worker placement games that have, say, different varying mechanics. Would you buy a fourth that has like a different mechanic? It it depends on how close that fourth game is to any of those three that I have. Okay. Right. So, like, if there's a worker placement slash card drafting game, well, that's very similar to Everdell. So, I'm not necessarily gonna 
right buy that game because i already have a game in my collection like that right see i feel i'm at a point where i'm starting to overlap too much on mechanics and even like those minor mechanical differences i'm finding that i have games that overlap so mm-hmm. i'm in a place where i'm like which one of these two games uh would i prefer to keep based off maybe theme or artwork or something like that right mm-hmm. so it's it's a challenge <laughs> So I, th- I think when we are trying to come up with uh, reasons to get rid of games, uh, it could just be for space saving, but it could also be for financial reasons. It could be um, f- because you're moving and not being able to bring your collection with you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like we we've have a, a list of some stuff here that was uh, put together from... Uh, um, a, a website. This was when was this posted? Back like last July by uh, Tabletop Bellhop, which is an interesting. Uh, so the question was uh, when it times comes time to purge, how do you decide what games to remove from your game collection? So they have this little list here. So some reasons why you may want to get rid of your games include money, you were out of room, you no longer get to play as often as you once did. You know, no longer need your collection. You are planning to move and various other reasons that could be, you know, different to each person's scenario. Um, money is an interesting one, I think, because games are expensive, but their resale value doesn't like it. It kind of holds up, but it also doesn't at the same time because it can be very difficult to resell a game. Right. And like when you do resell, you're usually selling it a little bit under what you paid for it. And that's kind of just a, a, across the board. Like, unless it's a game that's hard to find, like I have a few, I have um, like, say, Forbidden Stars. That's an FFG game that's out of print and you'll never find it. So if you have a really good copy of it, you might be able to sell it now for above cost. Mm-hmm. But generally, when you sell like a game, you're usually going to get maybe let's say 10 to 20 bucks less than what you paid for it. Mm -hmm. Um, They said there's a comment here. It says no one should feel guilty for getting rid of games, which is, I think um, a big part of that, like mental connection that we have, you know, if we've purchased these games and we haven't really played it too much, you know, I think we have to feel justified in keeping that game on our collection you know it's like we've i've spent 75 dollars on this game and i've only played it twice in the last year well it's just taking up space but now i feel bad because i spent the money and i should have should have played that game more i feel that way about other things i've collected for sure exactly right yeah. like and it can it can go towards video games it can go towards movie collections and whatever you have um i think a big part of what I have started to do now when I'm trying to justify a game um, or getting rid of a game is I take what I've purchased it for and how many times did I play that game? Well, okay, let's say I played this game 10 times and I haven't touched it in the last year. Well, if I paid, you know, $100 for that game, well, I've paid $10 to per game session did i enjoy that game that much like those those 10 sessions to you know say that i that was the 10 dollars well spent per session then potentially yes like and if it if it's 
That's if I feel really, like I've got my yeah. money's worth out of it. That's really interesting. Right? If I feel like I've got my money's worth out of it, then I can, you know, justifiably let it go. Um, I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> same thing with uh, legacy games, you know, uh, trying to justify purchasing a legacy game. Like there's one game that I really want. It's called The King's Dilemma. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to convince, you know, groups of people I've <laughs> yeah. mentioned to Owen many times to <laughs> split the cost with me because it's one of those games that you can uh, really you play it 13 times and you can then the game's done, right? You just throw it in the trash. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard for me to justify spending $90 on a game that I'm going to play 13 times with other people and then never, again. you know, never again. But justifying to split the cost with some, like, you know, three or four people where it's like, okay, now I'm spending 20 bucks on this game. We're going to get 13 play sessions out of this. It's more entertaining and you you get a better connection with the people around you than say going to the movies right for what essentially would have cost you the same amount for less total entertainment value you know so like justifying those purchases is one thing but then also the trying to figure out did i get my money's worth out of this game am i satisfied with what i paid and how much i played right you know and there's plenty of games on my shelf, which I can straight up say I've played once and it cost 40 bucks. So that was a $40 movie, right? Or whatever, however mm-hmm. you want to like uh, compare that. But to me, that means that game is should go. Like it should get off my shelf and make room for something I might actually enjoy. Yeah. And, and then when that game's no longer there, you don't have a staring at you making you feel bad for spending 40 bucks on it. And and playing at once. But Sean, what were you going to say? So you bring up something very interesting because I do that exact same thing when it comes to uh, memberships. Mm. Um, I know it's not board game related, but like getting a season's pass at like a disc golf course or something, right? Like I I looked at it as like, and it's funny because I looked at it as like, oh, it's $50 for the year. There's 52 weeks in a year. So that's like, okay, I can, I can justify as long as I play once a week. Do you know how many times I've not played there this summer? Huh. Uh, I've missed like out of the 16 weeks this summer, I played two games at that course. Sometimes I'll like go play two or three times a week in the winter, but the summer I've just been busy. Right. When you look at subscription services and I, I really wish there was some subscription services for board games that you could like, I don't even know how you would do it, but like you could rent games and then bring them back. Yeah. I can't, I can't, or I have such a hard time justifying purchases of board games over video games because I go like, look at Lords as an example, you and I scraped to the very last dollar we could find <laughs> pretty much. But like when I looked at it, I was like $50. Okay. How many times am I going to have to play this before $50 is worth it to me? So I think the exact same way with you, like that you do, like when um, my other half really wanted to get into wingspan, we never played it before, but we saw the price. Mm-hmm. I was like, can we justify this for it sitting? Same with seven wonders. We have dual, which costs like 40 bucks, but seven wonders is like an $80 game. So 100%. I agree with that more than Owen does clearly, but I, I, that's how I evaluate every board game I purchase. And that's why, card games are easy to justify because you're spending $40 on a base game and like 10, 15 bucks on expansions. 
but you know every time you have a party or something it's going to get laughs and you're going to get use Mm-hmm. it's just it's a very weird way to justify the purchase but it makes sense it does i really actually i really really like that um but like for like card games so just say you're at a party is there one card game that you would break out above the others or do you like space them out you're like oh hey do you want to play this or do you want to play this like a thousand percent depends on the people right okay if it's people so. who are going to want to play like guessing games like code names i think is the first thing i'll go to or anomia because those are games where you have to like think um, if you want a game that's a little bit more chill, I'd go like a Scattergories or a Balderdash. Nice. So and then, you're really good at reading the people that you're with, or you know the pe- what the people will like. So you have that selection that yeah, you we know have, we have a get. good variety of like family to party games. And then there's obviously everybody just feels silly and you want to drink, bust out the cards against humanity. Right. So that's a good way to do that. Like, but at least you know that those games, even though you have, say, like a variety of the same style game, you know that all of them are going to get played. And that's that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, but they just they take up so much room and they're hard to store. And it's, it's just so mm-hmm. much stuff. So well, uh, that's kind of uh, leads into a good good point, though, storing them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I've mentioned this a few times already. You know, I have game piles building up. Um, right. Oh, and you have game piles building up. So, uh, when when your collection becomes too large to uh, comfortably store, you know, where you're not stepping over piles of games, um, that's when also you need to look at your collection and decide. Okay, well, again, what what can I get rid of? Like, do I have any like big box games that, you know, are just taking up too much space that I don't play or, you know, sometimes you can get a game and have three or four expansions. Can those expansions fit into the main game box? That is one viable way to kind of uh, not, not like make your collection smaller because you still have those there, but, just kind of condense the amount of space that it takes. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've done that. We've took um, this stuff for uh subterra. So I bought the expansion stuff for my wife for Christmas. Cause she loves subterra. She like absolutely like, you know, goes crazy when we play that game and it was three extra boxes. And being me, I was like, I wanted to keep all of them. I want to keep all the boxes, but she was like, you know, no, we're going to get rid of these boxes that everything can fit in the, the main box. So out, out, out those expansion boxes went, they went into the recycling bin, mm-hmm. which hurt, but like, you know what? That saved a pretty good chunk of space on the shelf. Well, like I, and I have all of the, I have the, the big box collection for terraforming Mars. So all of my expansions are in that one big box, but I have, I still have all of the boxes for the expansions there. And I think I mentioned this to you guys. I'm, I'm, wanting to turn the covers like i want to cut those boxes up and kind of turn them into some wall art because the artwork on those boxes are pretty are, are pretty nice and yeah it's good and so like i just have those boxes there there they're still taking up space but a big part of it is like oh do i want to destroy this box like yes i do but there's that mental connection of oh my god like i have to destroy this box you know um do it <laughs> So yeah, like space concerns is a big, uh, I would say probably one of the main reasons for getting rid of some games. 
Right. Um, I spoke to a guy the other day who said that he had over 700 games in his basement or something like that. And they were just all in stacks, right? And like, who's ever going to play? Like, you could play two games every single day of the year and still probably not get through them all. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like why, why have that many? David and I met a gentleman named Mark famous Mark from J and J's. If our listeners have heard of Mark, um, he has a golden rule. I can't remember what the exact number was, but he had like, we'll say it was a hundred game limit. I think it was like 20 actually. Okay. I thought it was higher than that, but. Essentially, he had a rule of if he was bringing two home, he had to two had to leave. That's a good rule, but mm-hmm. that's that's hard. Like that. So if I if I pick up two games and I, then I have to decide which two games to leave, like that to me, that's really difficult. But like, I think with with this is tough with you and me, we have such a connection with our collection. Right. So if you get if you get into that mental capacity or that the mental state where I am bringing these two games home, I am sticking to my hard limit of X number of games in my collection. So therefore, I have to get rid of two games or whatever number of games in order to maintain this level of equilibrium. Right. Then I think the first few times you do that, it might be very difficult because you're going to bring these games home and you're like. Okay, well now I have to go through my collection and find two I don't find two that I don't, I don't want, like. Right? Yeah, but I think as you with with anything, the more you do it, the easier it will will be. Mm-hmm. And then I think also that will make it make you kind of scrutinize more what games you're buying. Ah, uh, you might be a bit more picky about exactly. Do I, do I really want to play this or do you know? Or is there something is I can this pass worth? Up? Is this worth getting rid of something else in my collection? Now I also remember. Um, him telling us that he didn't just like get rid of games. He would give them to friends. Right. And I uh, think that also is a good, um, good for our mental health, <laughs> right. so to speak, because you know that that game, even though you aren't necessarily going to get uh, any more enjoyment out of it, or you've had your fun with it, you know, someone else is going to get that. So you, you don't have to worry about right trying to sell a game on you know a secondhand market and having it sit still taking up space in your house just waiting for someone to come along and buy it or you don't have to deal with like people offering you you know like ten dollars for a game that you've listed for 40 right yeah so um my wife and i picked up all of the unlock games at a value village one day for like 14 dollars like somebody was like i'm done with these and took them to a value village and we yeah we picked them up it was a great find. We were so happy. And we played a few of them, but I'm still holding on to the ones we play, and I don't really intend on letting them go, which is not good. Like I, Once I'm done them, I should be able to say, hey, do you want to try this or do you want to play this? Or I should take them back to the Valley Village and let somebody else have a try. But that's, this, the, collect, that's the collector in me. Where this like, could have taken a, a, a different turn. You could have been like, yeah, we took it right back to Valley Village. Yeah. I no. saw it coming. No, but we, we should, that's the thing. And I remember when we were, we were moving at one point and I, I think this is the only time I've actually pared down my collection is uh, I went through a bunch of older games that we just hadn't played or I bought from a value village 
I went to a library and I was like, hey, do you guys do board games here? Do you have like a board game section? And they said no. And I was like, well, do you want to start one? Like I have this big box of board games I'm just going to get rid of. And they're like, okay, we'll take it. And they, I think they set up a little shelf where you could Hold up. You didn't even ask me if I wanted any of them. No. Why would I do that? No David, longer do you want good, all the games? No, I don't, for the I children don't want any longer the good friend. David. No longer good friend Owen there. <laughs> so, but that that's a good, you know, that's that's good though, you know, because you know that someone else is going to well, you've you've experienced that excitement of going through a thrift store and finding a a game that you that either was like really hard to find or something that you've wanted or just something that you know caught your eye that you're like oh you know what like i've heard of this and it's like three dollars and i could not justify spending full price on it because i don't really know how it is so you've given that opportunity for someone else to experience those things so a another um reason why someone might want to get rid of a, a game is the game is no longer supported from either the community or the uh developers publishers, the right? publishers right so owen you just yeah. recently purchased a dead game yeah so um at a swap and sale i got what you were I, thinking <laughs> i got a copy of netrunner it's a game that i've always wanted to play it's a game that's kind of like cyberpunk. It's very like cyberpunk 2077. It's very cyberpunk red. It has net runners and big corporations. And it just looks so cool. And the art is amazing. And the mechanics are very cool where one person plays as a runner, a net runner, and they're trying to hack into this corporation. The corporation player is trying to like put down firewalls, which are called ice. And they're trying to like um, block the runner from getting in. Uh, and it's just really, 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 really cool system. And I just really like it. Okay. But the, so the game is no longer supported. There people right. aren't playing this game competitively. So if you had purchased this game back when it was active and, you know, new expansions were coming out, people were playing it, then the game died essentially, you know, no yeah. longer is, wasn't being supported. People aren't playing it. That is a very, valid reason to not like to get rid of a game and so you bought this from a uh like a game swap kind of thing yeah right? it was like 10 bucks so it wasn't a so, bad deal or whatever so and, someone the person that was selling that game this was that was probably their reasoning for it right you know like they've played the game it's no longer supported so someone else can have it you have never played the game and you've wanted to i've can honestly say that i've had my eye on that game for a while but i know that it's a dead game <sighs> Well, you played that, weren't right? But I'll play it with you. Yes. And you know what? When we play it, uh, we, we'll play it a bunch of times. And then it might get to the point where you're like, you know what? I've had my fun with this. I'm going to get rid of that's, it. Right? That's awesome. Now I'm, I'm so excited. You just got me yeah, so pumped I, up to play some <laughs> I've actually wanted oh. to play that game for a while. Cool. Um, oh, my God. I'm so excited. So, so that kind of like leads in like no support for the game also leads into if there's no players for it. Right. So. If right. you you bought this game and say your wife didn't want to play it, say none of your friends wanted to play it, you would have this game now that you couldn't play with anyone. Right. Right. So if there are games like that, where like I have some games, I have Star Wars Destiny, which is a uh, a deck building game that involves dice. It's pretty cool. I found some like booster boxes for like 20 bucks. So it was like I bought four of them. So I have like 700 cards. Uh, wow. the t they they keep coming out like the game is active, 
but I don't know of any local game players for this game. So literally, right. it's just sitting on my in my room. Um, but I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I like having that kind of stuff. Right? It doesn't that itself doesn't take up a lot of space, but if I had to get rid of something, that would be something that I could potentially easily like more easily get rid of because i know that you know i'm not going to necessarily have any tournaments to go to or i don't know anyone who was playing this game um right so that that yeah that's definitely a good uh you know a a possibility to get rid of for sure Mm -hmm. um another interesting another interesting concept or reasoning to get rid of a game and something like this happened recently in the gaming industry, the board game industry. And it has kind of put ripples through the whole hobby. Um, This is if there is problematic content in the game, either something with the game itself has like you might have issues with it because it is, I don't know, maybe uh, no longer, PC for your likings, or maybe someone or a company individual in the company is involved with something that you disagree with. Um, so, for example, table, uh, wait, uh, what is it? Um, Broken Token. Broken Token. This is yeah. a company that makes primarily uh, game, board game accessories, so like inserts and other organization uh, components. Uh, it recently came to light that one of their ex-employees has produced allegations against the owner of the company uh, against like sexual assault and sexual harassment. Mis- yeah, misconduct. misconduct. Mm-hmm. So this has turned into, and, and the board game community is a very, like, I would say that they're a tight-knit community, right? Like, oh, for it's sure. one of those it's things a- that everyone, it's a common... Um, I don't know. Everyone has this common, uh, I don't know, likeness it's, of this hobby, right? And it's very passionate. Yes, passion is probably a great descriptor. So when something like this comes out, especially from a a big, well known, and actually like very high, like they produce high quality content, Broken Token. When something like this happens, it actually causes a great disturbance in the community because. Now people don't want to support that company. So recently, um, Frosthaven, the the sequel to Gloomhaven, that game is still currently in production um, because like it hasn't gotten out to their their backers yet. Oh, and so one, then I might have seen Gloomhaven. It might have been. It might have been Gloomhaven. Um, so one of the stretch goals for that was a custom made insert for the game made by broken token so they have actually uh cut ties with broken token so they are no longer getting an insert made for Frosthaven because of these allegations um which now has put a, a delay on the game um because they're looking for another company to work with and now there's like game trays and there's uh, uh raptor and all that stuff there's other companies that they can work with but this is a uh like it's it's a big issue right now and you know if 
say Broken Token was actually a company that made games, I could see something like this really affecting people's desire to own or purchase games made by them. Just to support them, right? Uh, unless something went like was like they like corrected the situation by like terminating that person or, or, or whatever, you know, to try to get ahead of it, like mm-hmm. PR wise. But yeah, I could see myself not wanting to support a company that, you know, where these kind of things are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, another example would be, uh, I think there's like Conan the Barbarian game where I was kind of interested in it and I was reading some reviews and somebody said, I won't buy this game because there's no strong like female characters. It's all men character like male characters Mm -hmm. the only females in it are like you know barely clothed you know women who are helpless right you're Mm -hmm. saving them there's no like there's no um you know strong female lead exactly so somebody's like i'm i'm not going to support this game because they're being you know kind of sexist so um so you you get that side of it and and i i would say that's more of a personal personal preference Right, because there's there's you know, if if you are looking at the like Conan, for example, is a great example, you know, in that series there are a lot of, you know, very strong it, it's a very male dominated story and universe, right? But uh I think yeah, I think the big thing is if a company has issues that are globally frowned upon like sexual assault allegations or whatever it may be. Um, that is, you know, if you feel strongly against that stuff, or if you want to support uh, any victims, so to speak, you know, getting rid of those games is, you know, a, a way to, to show voice. Your, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, another, I would say probably the, the best and maybe easiest way to get rid of a game from your collection but still be able to play it is if there is a digital version of the game. Um, it See, doesn't like... it doesn't get rid of the it doesn't replace the game itself like the same experience but right. if it's something that you will only play once a year there's no point in having the game on your shelf when you can play it in Tabletopia, Tabletop Simulator, or there's a, an official digital version of the game. Okay, I agree with that. I really agree with that. Like, If it's a game you're only going to play once a year and you can get it online, maybe you might be able to play it more, the, the online version. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then again, why keep the physical version? Um, I know I play a lot of Terraforming Mars online. I also keep the physical version because I play a lot of Terraforming Mars in person. But mm-hmm. like that just gives me more opportunity to play when I can't get a group together, right? Yeah, and I, and I think the over the last year, over the last two years, really, with the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic, where we haven't been able to get together and play games in person, you know, systems like Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia have really had the opportunity to shine, and you know, if if you had asked me before, like if you had asked me two years two years ago if I wanted to play a board game on my computer instead of just coming over and playing the same thing, I'd be like, no, why would I do that, right? Like that's right. what board games are about, playing them in person. But being seeing how the systems work, and, and we've played, all three of us played various, like a, a 
good number of games together on that platform. And again, like I said, it doesn't replace the actual feeling that you get of playing a board game at a table with everyone. But it does do a good job at giving you that board game experience. And we've had just as many laughs as we would in person, right? Because you are still, in a sense, physically interacting with each other and components and whatnot. Um, So I think that is something that I would most likely look into if, if I'm trying, if I'm struggling with getting rid of a game in my collection, can you find a digital version and maybe, you know, can I get more games in if I get this digital version? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so I, I know that uh, this is still a, a, it's a tough subject and I feel like we could talk about this for a very, very long time. We should do um, updates about how much we've perched from our uh, collection. Yeah, I know that um, I have slowly been uh, getting the courage to go through my game collection and and get rid of some stuff. Start um, chopping. Because really, you know, there's there's some things that I picked up a few years ago that I was really interested in playing. But every time that I've kind of brought it up to people to play, the response is not as exciting as <laughs> I, I had hoped or not as it's not the same as when I got the game and I was like, Oh, I'm really excited to play this. So things like that, if there's little interest in it, then I'm more likely to get rid of that game. That's funny. That That's really funny. Cause yeah, like when I see a game, I'm like, Oh, this looks great. Like I think these people will really be excited to play it and we'll get it at the table a bunch. And then it doesn't happen. People aren't excited. It never hits the table. And now it's just sitting on your shelf. Yeah. So um, in the next, I'm, I'm going to probably assume, hopefully in the next uh, month or two, I'm going to have a few games <laughs> out of my you know, collection. We got to be each other's support system in this. You know, you need my help with this. Uh, I'm here for you. Yeah. We, we need you're, like that. You're just going to be like, I need you to give me your games. Yeah, don't tell them that. God, <laughs> that, was my, that was my strategy. That yeah. Was then like, I can yeah. go over to your house and, and play them. And then <laughs> when you get rid of them, I'll take them back. Yeah. You're already <laughs> doing that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah Owen's gonna be like, "Hey, man, I have some games to give away," and David will be like, "Yeah, sure, I'll take them." And they're his games to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna happen for sure. You've been bamboozled. So yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's really it for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Let us know, our our dear listeners, what you guys think about getting rid of your games. Um, if you are like Owen and I, and just keep collecting and justifying and finding hidden nooks and crannies to put more games? Or do you have a hard limit of games that you, you keep? Yes, tell um, us your secrets. Cause we need them. We need I them have a pretty hard game. limit. It's called, I don't buy games unless you make me. Although actually I'll ask you quickly. Is there one game that you've looked at about and like, you've seen the price and you're, you're like, ah, I can't justify it, but I also might have a space for it. Yep. That happened to me a few weeks ago. Yeah. So I was at that swap and sale and they had a copy of Battlestar Galactica, the board game from FFG. And it, I opened it up and it was unpunched, unplayed. Oh my God. And it's it was like off. finding like a, a, oh, like a dime bag filled with unicorns. <laughs> with unicorns. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a magical unicorn sitting there. But I looked at the price. It was $120 on the first day and 100 bucks on the second day. And I walked by it like a hundred times just reasoning with myself don't buy this game like 
you're never going to play it. It's like three to five or three to six players. You never get three people, you know. So it, mm-hmm. I, I ended up leaving it. So that was really, I'm proud of myself for that. I ended up leaving it, even though unpunched, Battlestar, Galact- Battlestar Galactica. Ugh. And and Sean, I've never actually made you buy a game. Any games that you've purchased is of your own decision. Yeah, no, I have bought it on my own. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say I was forced for anything. I was going to say the one game that I continually looked at and I just cannot for the life of me justify the price because it's ridiculous is the Game of Thrones Catan. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just it's so different than the actual game. And it's like when you pick up that bet or uh, that box, you're like, holy shit, this is what one hundred and thirty dollars feels like. It's it's a girthy box, man. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot of plastic miniatures. I'm yeah. not sure, though. For me, it's a joking hazard. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. such a small game. I know that I can fit it in my collection, no problem. But it's literally just a card game. And I f- when I can buy a, a board game with lots of cardboard components and miniatures and stuff like that for 40 or 50 bucks, but then this card game is 35, you know, it's it's hard to justify buying at that and i know that i've told you like if i can find it for 20 bucks that that's my my price for a card game um but yeah that's that's going to be that's the one that i would love to buy but i just can't justify it um but yeah uh what do we have for our next episode we're gonna do a showcase aren't we i think so i think so and it's not our next episode it's our next turn uh Yeah, but the next episode that we do, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do a showcase of something. I I don't know where the list is. I think Sean has it some hidden somewhere in the depths of his computer. But uh, our next uh, episode of Three Men and a Meeple, we're gonna be doing a showcase episode. Uh, we'll post what that is on our Instagram for people to to get excited for. Our next showcase is our September showcase. Correct. That would be correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's interesting. What is it? I'm so excited. It's Clue. <gasps> we're going. Oh yeah, that's right. We were going back yeah, to uh, some classic games because that's going to lead into um, our Hasbro Family Fun Night or Hasbro Milton Bradley Family Fun Night game episode. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about some uh, kind of going back to the originals. The classic. So, so excited. You got me so, yeah, so we're going to play right some now. games of Clue. Um, we're going to do a gameplay recording of that. Um, we're going to see if we can get a special guest, someone who is not one of us three on there to see how things go. How many uh, players can play Clue? Is it four? Six. six. We, should, we should fill it up. We should try to get we that max. I think there. it's six, yeah. We should we try. See, we can see, we'll see what we can do. and then uh, So that will be a recorded video, and then also we're going to record an episode for your, for your listening pleasure. Oh, yeah, so we're, we've got a really exciting September. Now, uh, before we skedaddle, just remember, we're going on vacation. doesn't really affect this show, but we are going dark for the next few weeks, and it's going to be fantastic. Where are we well, going? That, does, that doesn't affect the show. Right? I know, but just <laughs> in I, general, we're going dark. It's gonna can I come? Great. You well, can, actually. So uh, after doing this whole episode of thinning our collection, um, I'm going to be going to Edmonton for a week or so. And as we all know, Alberta only has 5% tax. 
So oh um, right God. there, that's some savings on so board you, games. <laughs> you got a lot of extra luggage to pack full of board games. It's an 8% saving on everything. They're driving back because they won't be able to fly. So actually, you know, we're bringing uh, two suitcases, but uh, we can easily fit all of our clothes and stuff like that into one. <laughs> there you go. So you know what that second suitcase is for? But the bodies. I mean, <laughs> dear Lord. All right. This thing got a little wacky. So follow us on our socials. Catch us on your favorite podcatcher. And for myself, David. Me. That's that guy. <laughs> and our good friend, pal, confidant, super friend, Owen, because he gets all the titles to fuck up with David. I'm back, baby. Yeah. That's Thank you all for listening, and we'll thing. catch you on our next turn. Thank you.